Well, thanks so much for joining Speaking of Making Healthcare Work for You. I'm Stephanie Fields, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Dr. Apoorv Gupta, and Amin Magoon, who is the head of product at Naya. Thank you both so much for being here. Thank you. So, Amin, I'm excited to talk to you. I actually interviewed the founders of Naya, Sina and Akash, and I love what Naya is doing. Can you tell us a little bit, because you've had some exciting developments very recently. Naya is a insure tech company that lives at the intersection of an employee's finances and their health. Um, and we seek to make an impact in their lives by helping them choose and use uh, their benefits um, in a way that leaves them with, with savings and, and, and the coverage that they need. Earlier this year, we had the pleasure of announcing our Series A round of funding, which allowed us to grow our team, um, bring on a bunch of uh, really great practitioners who um, have deep uh, employee benefits experience as well as deep data science uh, experience, uh, experience as well. And that's really indicative of kind of the, the type of company we are. We're a benefits company that uh, is powered by, by data science. It's so great. And that's one of the things that struck me before is that Naya is really able to provide hyper-personalized suggestions for people, helping them get into the best benefit plan for them. How big of a problem is it with people choosing the wrong benefits plans? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. So in 2019, I believe 66.5% of personal bankruptcies were attributed to uh, healthcare costs. Um, and so when you peel the, the layer of that onion back a little bit and you start to understand why it is that healthcare is oftentimes the the, the cause of personal bankruptcy, it's really two things. Number one is the cost of care. So how much you have to pay the provider if something is to happen. And, and so that's, you know, one, one side of the spectrum. The other side of the spectrum is actually um, people going into debt uh, due to the fact that they can no longer work or because of, 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 of time out of work. Um, and so when we double click into the time out of work component, uh, we realized that we as a company can really help solve that problem by directing people to the right benefits during open enrollment and throughout the year. Um, so if you're in the right plans, you can afford to take time off of work and manage your health and not have to make trade-offs between putting food on the table or seeing your provider. I guess I never made the connection because I always thought it was those people that didn't have insurance that were going bankrupt. And I think you're implying that it could, it's, it's partly the people that do have insurance, depending on the benefits they have. I'd love to understand better who are, who are the people that have insurance that could be at risk for a personal bankruptcy and, and how do you help those people? What's really telling is that in the years of, of the rollout of the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, um, a lot of economists and the pundits thought that, you know, because the Affordable Care Act is now going to grant coverage to a lot more Americans, we're going to see this dramatic drop in the number of personal bankruptcies associated mm -hmm. with healthcare. There's tons of measures to show the, 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 the genius of, of the Affordable Care Act. Um, one of the startling stats is that personal bankruptcies didn't flatten out. They didn't decrease. They actually steadily increased in the years after the, the rollout of the Affordable Care Act. Uh, and the reason for that is exactly what we've been talking about, which is the high deductible health plan, right? It's a consumer driven health plan that provides you with coverage um, for, you know, for a rainy day. It, it provides you with coverage 
beyond this high deductible, this, this high out-of-pocket spending. And so those, that core of the population that is enrolling in these high deductible health plans, while they have the benefit of the HSA, while they have the, the, the cost savings at the onset associated with a lower premium, um, they do actually need to enroll in, in some sort of income protection or some sort of uh, um, $0 deductible gap plan that gives them that, that protection from the $0 to the deductible. Um, and so, so that, that's kind of a seg the segment of, of that 66.5% of people that NIA is looking to help, um, help empower with, with greater and better decision support. Despite that risk of the high deductible health plan, you still think that there's a benefit for those people that are able to figure out how to sign up for it and get all the other voluntary benefits, set it up properly. Is that the message I'm, I'm getting? Yes, absolutely. So the high deductible health plan is, is great when you know how to use it and when you are contributing to an HSA, when you understand how that works um, and when you're enrolling in some sort of voluntary benefit to provide you with, with, that, sort of rainy, with that sort of rainy day coverage. How do you work with those people and make sure that they are in the right plans, especially if it's somebody who might be traditionally used to being in a PPO and you're suggesting that they're in an HGHP because it's going to save them money? The percentage of an employee's income that goes towards their benefits uh, can range from anywhere from 2 to 7%, depending on you know your average salary, right? And so we think that it doesn't make sense that employees are spending so much money towards their benefits, but there's no personal experience around choosing those benefits. If you go to amazon.com today uh, and you go to the landing page, you're gonna be immediately inundated with tons of recommendations of products that Amazon knows you should be buying because of the relationship that they have with you. E-commerce companies, social media companies have used personalization to promote this reaction from its users. Our goal as a company is to use personalization, not to get you to transact or not get you to scroll, but really to improve the employee's benefits literacy and then ultimately influence the decision that they make during enrollment and choosing their benefits. Our strategy, and I think what makes this unique as a company, is the fact that we're using third-party data integrations. We're using both public and private data sets to power everything that we do. So things like understanding how much you've spent year-to-date out-of-pocket towards your medical expenses. When you're enrolling in benefits during open enrollment, um, NIA is able to bring to the table because of our diverse API strategy with major medical carriers. Things like understanding your personal debt and mortgage amounts when enrolling in, in voluntary life insurance or disability insurance. Um, NIA is able to, to surface that personal information to the employee during enrollment um, so we can influence those, um, those decisions and help the employee uh, find additional coverage where they need it. And so uh, it's really a combination of creating a personal experience, empowering that personal experience with, with the world's data. I think it's so interesting that you're using things like the debt load that people are facing, because that's something that no other company that I'm aware of, they could exist, but I don't know of any that are pulling in that type of data for benefits decisions because pulling in claims data, it's really important, but nobody ever thinks about the actual non-work related spending that people are doing. And those are the types of things that really can influence your decisions 
and should influence your decisions because it's a tremendous risk to not have the right plan when you have other debt or other issues in your life. It's certainly not an easy thing to do. And I think part of the reason why no one has done it is because it's, it's a complicated problem to solve. The, the identity resolution work that goes into understanding John Smith in Baltimore, Maryland versus John Smith in Manhattan, New York is a complicated problem. Um, and so we, like I mentioned at the, at the top of the, the discussion, we are a team of, of data scientists that have dedicated um, our efforts, our, our, our interests in doing what advertising technology has done or doing what e-commerce has done um, with the third-party cookie um, and, and how the third-party cookie is essentially the source of truth for all things about uh, a user on the internet. Um, and because in the benefits ecosystem, we can't leverage the third-party cookie um, or there isn't a, a, a correlated to, to the third-party cookie, NIA has taken it upon itself to normalize and, and identity resolve all these different attributes about the employee. Uh, another investment we've made from our technology is this notion of bundling of decisions, right? Um, if I'm a consumer and I'm buying an outfit because I'm going out to dinner, um, it's much easier for me to buy an outfit at a time than having to buy shoes and socks and jeans and a button down and a blazer. Uh, in a similar fashion, what Naya has done is we've taken this sometimes 10 to 15 long set of decisions you have to make across these different benefits. And we've said, hey, this is the recommended bundle that Naya is, is saying that you should enroll in. And this is why. Uh, and the why we think is really important. So instead of getting into the minutia and, and the fine print of each and every single benefit, we've spearheaded this idea of, of scenarios. And so based on how you respond um, to our questions around lifestyle and finances, we'll position scenarios back to the employee that they'll resonate with to highlight the relative benefits of the bundled plan versus a non-bundled plan. So an example, for instance, would be if, uh, if you're an employee who's providing coverage for your spouse and your children, and you've responded to Naya saying that, you know, your children are quite active, for instance, um, we'll provide a scenario to say, hey, if your child gets into a sports-related injury um, and needs uh, an ambulance and needs two days in the ER and then needs you know, specialist treatment after that, this is what life looks like on your kind of core non-recommended bundle with just the major medical. And this is what life looks like from an out-of-pocket spending perspective if you had bought the accident insurance plan. And so we're using these scenarios to tell a story to the user in a way that's responsive, in a way that takes into account, you know, the, the way that they've responded. All of these amazing data points that you have allowed you to come up with some really great findings that you shared in the press release for your most recent round of funding, including one point that is particularly interesting that on the NIA platform, 40% of people enrolled in voluntary benefits versus 14% off of the platform. How do you attribute such great adoption of those plans? There's a number of reasons um, we, we, we've seen kind of increased participation in these benefits. Going back to the personalization, I know I'm going to sound like a broken record, but uh, the reason employees in previous years weren't adopting these plans is because A, they didn't understand how they worked, and B, they didn't know that they needed them, right? I hear it all the time um, where I'll get on the phone with the user and 
you know, they'll talk me through kind of their benefits journey from the previous year. Uh, and I'll say, hey, why didn't you enroll in accident insurance last year? Why didn't you enroll in critical illness insurance last year? And I'll hear things like, oh, well, I'm young and I don't need accident insurance. Or, you know, I'm healthy and I don't need critical illness insurance. And while to the user, those things make good sense, um, from a benefits perspective, just because you're young and you're healthy doesn't mean you don't need accident insurance. Doesn't mean that you don't have the same income risk that an older and less healthy person has uh, should something unexpected happen. And so we've used personalization, we've used responsive design. And the one thing that we haven't used is insurance jargon. You're not gonna find much insurance jargon uh, on any of our interfaces. Uh, and so simplifying and humanizing this very human decision, I think is what we attribute um, that participation, um, that participation increase to. Uh, Naya, of course, is not a company that benefits financially from boosting participation. That's not why we're in the business of doing what we're doing. Um, our North Star is always the consumer. So we're trying to do right by the consumer um, no matter what we do. And it turns out that doing right by the consumer ultimately means helping them understand the, the role of voluntary benefit in this world where consumer-directed health plans or high-deductible high health plans are, are, um, are more and more popular because of its affordability. You found through your data that millennials are actually becoming more risk-averse after dealing with COVID. We uh, were lucky enough to kind of see this early feedback loop just in the work that we did during Q4 open enrollment last year, um, where, you know, in previous years, employees were spending any spending around 18 minutes on average, both learning about their benefits and then enrolling in, in their benefits. So it's 18 minutes in the entire year that they're spending to actually learn about benefits. And if you think about that, you spend more than 18 minutes buying a pair of shoes online. And, you know, for the amount of money that you're spending on your benefits and for the amount of impact that it has on your life, spending 18 minutes on average just like didn't make any sense to us. Um, what we've seen from our average user is that they're spending about 24 minutes learning about their benefits, understanding their benefits, um, experiencing the personalized decision support that Naya has um, powered for them. Uh, and, and ultimately we're seeing millennials are, are taking a greater interest in their benefits um, and are enrolling in an increasing number of products. I mean, I find this uh, fascinating. One thing this reminds me of is when we were speaking earlier, you had mentioned that in the uh, benefit space, more is not always better, especially in healthcare. And I wonder how that how that works because your benefits uh, decisions based on data and what I've consumed in the past year, but is there, is there a chance that that misses something and that in the next year, I don't know, but I'm going to get hit with, unfortunately, some tragic illness, and now I don't have coverage for that? It's a great question, and we think about it a lot. There's always risk involved in, in making these decisions, and, and simply buying more uh, simply buying more benefits isn't always the best because you have to consider the opportunity cost, right? Buying the, the Cadillac plan, the PPO plan for you and your family um, during enrollment may seem like a great idea, and it may even be affordable to you, but when you think about the opportunity cost of that decision, um, you're now overpaying on premium per month by anywhere from 40 to 50%, right? So you're paying more on premium. And then you're also missing out on this great, great investment vehicle that is the HSA. Um, and the HSA, of course, has the, the pre-tax advantages of, of depending on your tax bracket. 
a 30% savings right off the bat. Um, but it also has this, this, this component of, of, of growing over time and compound interest that grows based on how, how risk averse or how um, uh, conservative you are. And so the opportunity cost associated with buying more benefits is, is, is the HSA and, and the, 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 the premium savings. You had said that a lot of people don't actually understand how the HSA works. The 401k has been the hottest kid on the block for far too long. Everyone can recite in their sleep how a 401k works. It's, it's marinated itself in, in the fabric of, of, of the working America. And so, but what they don't understand about the HSA is it essentially acts in the same exact way. It's a pre-tax contribution. Your employer oftentimes will contribute um, toward your HSA um, as a benefit. Uh, it's investable and it's portable. It goes with you where you go. So there's this educational gap and this, this learning curve that working Americans haven't necessarily adapted to. And so we've used our technology to help catalyze that learning and help, help promote that learning. Uh, the HSA is, is not always the best source of, uh, it's not always the best way to pay for care throughout the year. Oftentimes folks who have an HSA are looking to their HSA anytime, they're, um, anytime they have a patient responsibility and they have to um, cover some out-of-pocket expenses. What NIA says is, hey, if, if you have enough savings and you have enough of a rainy day fund to pay for your medical costs, your routine medical costs throughout the year, don't touch that HSA. Let that HSA grow uh, and build over time because when you do retire, you can use that account for any expenses associated with, with living. Where do you see all of this going? Uh, you say millennials are getting more risk averse. Uh, where we, Stephanie and I have been doing a number of shows in, um, in healthcare and specifically we're finding out about the complicated needs that are emerging, telehealth, behavioral health. Uh, are you seeing uh, differences emerging in, in the next few years in terms of what people will need in their benefits programs? We really wanna be at the cusp of the innovation of, of of, of the benefit space. And we think that over the next few years, you're going to start to see this idea of robo insurance or robo enrollment, where because of technology platforms like NIA's, uh, employees are at a greater advantage when they allow the technology to make the decisions for them and simply um, provide consent and approval for what the technology deems to be the right um, bundle of benefits. And so that's where we see. The, the benefits space going is where we see insurance going, where, uh, you know, these things are being allocated for them based on their own experience and based on their own needs. What personally excites you about the work that you're doing and the changes that you're making? Personally, I'm excited by relationships. I think that the thing that inspires me the most uh, are the people both that I work with and the people that I serve and the people that I have an impact with um, and getting on you know, a phone call with one of our users or getting on the phone with, with, you know, employers that we work with and just listening to the, the, the experience of, of our end users, I think is, is tremendously inspiring to me and what keeps me really motivated to continuing to solve the problem that we're solving. I'm also quite interested in, in the, in the tech, technological challenges that solving this problem um, uh, is, is, is going to beg. I think the combination of, of the relationships and just the complexity and, and, and challenges of, of the nature of the problems we're trying to solve is just tremendously uh, inspiring. 
Well, thank you so much. Thank you for being here. I really appreciated this conversation and learning all about everything you're doing. And thank you all for watching. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Thank you, Roman.